This episode of the Over Six Sports Podcast is brought to you by Relax a Bit. Are you all backed up with anxiety, anger, pain, and embarrassment from the Leafs blowing another massive lead? Then Relax a Bit may be for you. Similar to a chill pill, Relax a Bit will flush out all negative feelings and return you to the real world where the sky isn't falling and the Leafs are still in first place. Relax a Bit. It's one game. Just relax. You're listening to the Over Six Sports Podcast. Baby, do we have a show for you today. This is the Over 6 Sports Podcast. I am Zach the Bandit Burke, and with me as always, the old man himself, Mr. Charlton. How are we doing today, Cam? I mean, I'm doing pretty good. Uh, I don't know. I think it's more, how are you doing today, Burke, after last night? I I need a moment, and you have to bear with me on, on this because I'm not even going to... I'm I'm not even going to pretend like um, last night was fun. I'm not going to pretend like I wasn't rattled by it. I'm not going to pretend that I didn't see and hear shit from absolutely everybody today because when the Leafs have a single game where they blow something, it, 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 it lives on forever um, because the Leafs are just so fun to laugh at. Um, you know, they hate us because they ain't us sort of thing, except for we haven't won shit in forever. So there's really no backup to that anyway. But I'm just going to dive right in. So, I mean, last night's game was horrific um, for, I would say, 25% of the game. The Leafs were up 5-1, dominated play, um, not by – I mean, I test – there's numbers that say, okay, they tapered off. and they, They're up 5-1 with like 50 seconds to go in the second period, and they were all over the place. I mean, Matthew scored on the 5-on-3 didn't even smile, didn't celebrate, didn't do anything because it, that was the game. Like they, they were, in their minds, it was over. And maybe that's their fault. Maybe they're that naive of a team that they're like, oh, we're up 5-1 against the worst team in the NHL, the worst team in our division, forgetting the fact that, oh yeah, by the way, these guys actually beat us in game two. So maybe we shouldn't, you know, completely mail in the third period, which as I say that, I don't even know if they did mail in the third period. I mean, I look at some of the goals and I'm like, okay, like, who, like, first of all, who the fuck is the Zub guy? Not good. You can say that he's fast and all this shit. If you're an NHL goalie, stay on your feet. Like, th- this guy scored his first NHL goal and he tapped it in. Now, and I'm going to get into Freddie in this rant a little bit. And I love the guy. Don't get me wrong. I've defended this guy for the past couple weeks. There, there is some bad goals. And as a team, it is okay. To, and as a fan, it's completely okay to blame your goalie for goals that you think that they should stop because guess what? Yes, breakaways are going to happen. Is that a result of bad play on the ice? Absolutely. But guess what? If you don't make bad plays on the ice, then you never need a goalie. You might as well just play six guys on the ice the whole time. But guess what? There's going to be mistakes that are going to happen. And it would be great if we had a goaltender who consistently could make the save when we need it, and it never seems to happen. Except for a couple weeks ago, you know, made a save. Uh, at the end, people say, well, it wasn't that good of a save. I backed them up on that. I said that was a great save. I forget which team they were playing um, or what game it was, but he came across, made a huge save, and they ended up winning the game. Okay? Awesome. 
Freddie, you got to stop a couple of these shots. You can't let Zub go down a breakaway and score for his first NHL goal, flatten you out. You cannot let Dadanov go in on a breakaway. And I get, okay, three on three. Morgan Riley should have passed it to Matthews. All this bullshit that I'm reading online. How about you make a stop? Like, if you look at the replay of this guy, he's, before Dadanov even shoots the puck, he's already, like, flat out on his knees in front of, like, uh, in the middle of the crease. He's not even on top of the crease. He's in the middle of the crease, already on the ice. Like, this butterfly goalie style obviously works, especially when you're trying, you know, there's tips and all this stuff. You're trying to get, um, you know, bodies, in, there's bodies in front of the net. You're trying to stop all these pucks. But you cannot let, if you get any Dadanov, Daddy, is his nickname? Daddy Dadanov score on you in overtime like that like it's not like it's Connor mcdavid like the same thing with zub it's not like it's Connor mcdavid or leon dreisaitl or nathan mckinnon like no offense these guys are in the nhl so obviously they're half decent players but these are nobodies you're letting nobody score major goals on you for no reason and i don't expect fred to stop the second shot or you know the the, the Connor brown goal he had no chance that's fine i have no problem with that the dadanov goal to tie it up sure whatever fine you know, he was let loose in the slot and should have been better defensive coverage. But how about we make a damn save when we need it? Every once in a while, that would be great. So that's the Freddy angle of this. Let's talk about defensively. Because for whatever reason, we just cannot figure out against Ottawa that, hey, these guys are sometimes fast and we are good. If, like defensively, I thought Hall looked great yesterday. You know who I think didn't look great? Morgan Riley looked terrible. I don't know if this guy's like afraid to, to play the puck or if he's afraid of big situations. And you had mentioned to me earlier today that Keith deserves some blame because he keep pumping Brody out and he keeps pumping Riley out. Yes, I and maybe you shouldn't have done that. But these are like the two highest paid defensemen on the Leafs. Like you have to pump them out. These are supposed to be your go-to guys and they're not getting the job done. Plain and simple. Offensively, I thought that Matthews and Modern, and I looked at the Corsi today and it really showed, I mean, Matthews was, I think was even on the day or, or plus one or even on the day. And he was on for three goals. Not a great showing defensively. It happens. I mean, one of them was, uh, I'm not sure if the power play goal by Zoo. I know it uh, was a Tavares turn it over in the slot, which by the way, in and of itself was just a terrible turnover. And we talked about this. Yes, Fred, I think has to stop that goal, but you also can't turn it over when all of your players are deep because you're on a power play, like you had said, you do need to have some awareness on this. But Tavares and Nylander, in my opinion, have been nowhere. They have legit been nowhere. Like Nylander, I, I gold prop bet him because I thought he's due. And this guy, like, I, how, can, how can I even have, even think that this guy's going to score when all he does is fold around the outside of the ice? Every once in a while, I sneak into the middle. I'll try to tuck it by. Oh, nope, doesn't go in. Okay, I'll just float out to somewhere else. Like, if you look at Matthews and Marner and, and Joe Thorne, I mean, they had great game last night. Like Matthews had three points, two goals and assists. Joe had a couple of a uh, couple of points as well. And they're in and the biggest difference here, and maybe this is veteran leadership or whatever the case is, but you're in there digging in the corners and you're fighting for pucks all over the place instead of just floating around expecting for the puck to come to you. And I really thought that Tavares and, and Nylander would have a better game, but they did it. And the reason I thought that was because they were playing with with uh, Hyman. And I actually thought that Hyman did an all right job, except for Tavares and Nylander were just MIA. Like you're the captain, like for Tavares specifically, you're and I've been supportive of Tavares. I backed this guy up. All of these guys I'm ripping now, I, I don't always rip them. I have backed these guys up in the past, but it's not good enough. 
for the money that you're making, you need to be John Tavares on the Islanders. Every time they played the Leafs, he would score two, three goals all over the place. Anytime he got the puck, you were like, oh shit, this guy's going to put the puck in our net. Now, oh well. Like at the start of last year, I said, you know, I was saying to you and I was saying to other people, oh man, how are defensive pairings going to do it? Because you're going to have Tavares and Nylander on this line. I mean, Tavares is number one center. You'd have Matthews is number one center. You know, defense is going to have a problem with it. Nah, they don't. They just put the number one defensive pair against Marner and Matthews. And then they're like, whatever, we can roll whoever we want against Tavares and Nylander right now because they're shit. They're not good enough. They're not, they're not getting the job done. And there's simply no excuse for it. And then the, the last thing that I'll do before my rants over here, reading the comments and stuff from, from Leafs fans and non-Leafs fans alike, it is absolutely ridiculous. Like, can we, like, and I, yes, I agree that I'm ranting. I'm already fired up because of all the, the like, as I said earlier, the shit that I've been, uh, that's been said to me and stuff that I've seen online. Is it unacceptable? Th there can be the same, uh, the two things can be true at the exact same time. And it's this, it was last night horrible and embarrassing and just awful. Yes. Are the Leafs still in first place? Four points clear. Yes, the Habs have a game in hand. But are they four points clear in first place? Yes. The, the, it's, this is not the end of the world. The Ottawa Senators are not an OHL team. They are still an NHL team with NHL talent. And if you shit the bed like the Leafs did last night, Ottawa's going to take advantage. And that's exactly what they did. So you can have two things that are universally true, but everybody online for whatever reason thinks, oh, we need to trade Fred. We need to trade Nylander. We need to trade Tavares. We got to blow this up. Keith's garbage. We're not going to the playoffs. We can't do this. Can't do that. It's like, guys, it's one game. The Leafs are still have 24 points. They got a point last night. Do they deserve a point? They probably deserve two other than the third period. Do they deserve the end of the third period? Absolutely not. But you can still be a good team and have bad games. And that is okay. There's nothing wrong with that. The Leafs are going to be fine. And I, I'm hammering, and this is a sneak peek, I'm hammering Leafs puck line tomorrow because I think, and recording this on Tuesday, I think they're going to bounce back and I don't think it's going to happen again. Rant over. I would love your comments. Yeah, so really I just have a couple things to touch on. Really it's, at what point is this Nylander Tavares experiment over? It really hasn't worked now. And they just don't look good together. And if you look at the guys who Tavares has made look better, they're nothing like Nylander. Anders Lee, Josh Bailey, some of those guys, they're nothing like the way Nylander plays. So that's something to look at. Secondly, I know everyone's pointing fingers. There's 20 players, 20 people to blame. Starts at Keefe, goes to Anderson. Even Matthews and Marner need to be better in their own end. Yeah, they had points and looked good, but it's 20 people. The last thing I want to touch on in that game is, yeah, it's got to be embarrassing for the players, some of the fans, but it's an anomaly. It's Ottawa. It's a one-off. It's not going to probably happen again. When we start getting into some of the other games, I'll have a couple more comments to touch. But last night, yeah, it's embarrassing, I think, as a Leafs fan. And as a Leafs player, it's got to be. you got to be slightly embarrassed with your performance. But it's such a one-off that I think you can move on it past it pretty easy. Well, that's the thing, right? Is is like people are like, so, oh, like it must suck to be Leafs fans. Like you guys are losers. Like this is so embarrassing for you guys. If if I'm feeling how I'm feeling about the game, can you just imagine how you're feeling if you're anybody like Morgan Riley, who who instead of passing to Matthews for a tap in for the winner, shoots it and go and it gets blocked and goes for the breakaway, or Fred that you gave up two breakaways and couldn't bail your team out. I mean, these guys are feeling it so bad today, and I mean. And like and uh, Sheldon Keefe, like what does he even have to go out and say? Like in the locker room today, like like 
in your opinion, take me through what Keith's saying to these guys because, you, like, I don't think you can go full torts and rant at them because they already know what they did. No, and I don't think there's much you can do. And that's where we're going to start getting into Saturday. And although the Ottawa Jets game was first, I want to go right into the Habs Leafs game. Uh, the Habs pulled that one out 2 1. And to me, as an outside person looking in on the Leafs, that third period they played against the Habs is more embarrassing than last night overall and really for the team. You played in a basically a playoff-style game, the most important period of this year so far, against a team who you're probably going to play seven games against, and you came out terribly. From the outside looking in, that seems like a way worse period and something that could lead to happening later than a one-off blown lean to Ottawa. Well, and that's and that's the thing. Like, you know, the Leafs are still 2-1 and one versus the Habs. I thought that the Leafs played an excellent first period and then they let the foot off the gas and the Habs are still a good team. Like for anybody saying, uh, you know, that the Habs are, you know, garbage or they're not going to make the playoffs, they're still trash. I mean, they have enough talent on that team and enough speed on the team and the goaltending on that team to do well. I mean, they made it farther than the Leafs did in the playoffs last year. So I don't really think that any of us have the right to chirp. But again, just wrapping this thing up with the Leafs is, is that yes, you know, last, last night's, it's an anomaly. They're not. And, and this happens in hockey from time to time. It's a game where any team on any given night, we all know this, any team on any given night can win. And you have a 5-1 lead and you blow it. Um, the last thing, Cam, actually, before I get to my take on the Montreal thing, I forgot to say this. But to the people that are sending me the, the Leafs blew a 28-3 lead, I would just like to say, you can send me that meme when it's the Stanley Cup final, you say, well, at least we'll never get to the Stanley Cup final. <laughs> well, that's great. Because when the Leafs make it to somewhere and lose a f- and blow a 5-1 to lead, you want to compare the Boston one to me? Fine. Except for it's still round one. 28-3 was in the Super Bowl, the biggest game on the planet, and is in a completely different hemisphere. And I don't want to hear shit about that ever. Talking about Montreal and Toronto from last weekend, as I said, um, Leafs did not deserve to win the game. It was a close game. I think in the seven game series, I think it'll go, it'll go to seven. I think that the game Saturday is actually, uh, that's coming up on this coming Saturday is going to be a real indicator of where it's at, because I think if the Leafs take that game and we'll touch on this a little later, but if the Leafs take that game and it's convincing, then I'll have a little bit more confidence in what, and what, and who they are as a team. Yeah. I mean, it's been an interesting series through three games or one, one and one now, Montreal, Toronto's two and one and it's been close like Montreal's picked up three points Toronto four I think arguably Montreal's been the better team for the majority the first period on Saturday they were by far not the better team but they got a really good performance from their best player who hasn't been their best player this year and then that third period when it was the biggest gut check period of the Habs year and really you're off for a week you're coming off back-to-back losses Gallagher put that team on his back a little bit and he said he called himself out the day before and it was nice to see as a Habs fan, it definitely feels pretty good. And I feel pretty good about that win and a week off other than them. If they lost that game, I'd feel pretty bad right now. The only thing that I was ticked about that game was uh, Gallagher scores late and they can't. And then the Leafs blocked the puck twice and stole the puck line from me. I'm like near the end of the game i was like oh the puck line's gone anyway and then montreal scores and i'm like okay okay we're back in it and then really we get a block like can't you just let that go in the net and help the betters out so i mean that was a big l for me 
Yeah, we look at that. I had Josh Anderson goal, didn't happen. You had Nylander goal, didn't happen. <laughs> you took the puck, puck line, I took money line. And the worst part was, is one of those blocked empty nets was Anderson. So that would have got hit us both pretty good. Which... <laughs> oh, that's brutal. So I got that's the win a bad that beat game. Right there. Yeah, so we'll, uh, we'll touch on the entire weekend. We'll go backwards now and touch on that uh, Jets-Winnipeg game. Before that game, I was feeling even better about... Uh, taken winnipeg when we heard murray was out i'm like oh, oh you man said I jets, winnipeg or jet, jet sends sorry there sends jets jet sends. okay yeah once <laughs> yeah, I, it's not an inner once, squad game it's a it's a real game <laughs> once i found out murray was out last second too i felt even better and then uh i'm like oh really this should be no problem for the jets but uh yep. hogberg stepped up played well and who is this guy where did he yeah. come from I mean, Hogberg's got to be some sort of Swedish guy, but I mean, Ottawa's got a lot of young players, so I don't know how old he is, but no, but I know, but they got Murray and like, we all knew that trade happened, but then this Hogberg guy shows up. But honestly, if you told me he was like David Ayer's cousin or something, I would believe you because this no name guy just comes in and plays actually a decent game. And I let him five goals against Leafs, but whatever. I have no idea who this Hogberg guy is, but that game, I mean, again, as you said at the start of the season, Ottawa's scrappy and they got it done against the Jets. Yeah, that's what I kind of figured. I figured they'd finish last in the division, but I thought they were going to be pesky all year. If they could get some goaltending, I think some of these young guys are super exciting, and they'll pick up wins like they did Saturday. I was taking the Jets. You were as well. Both didn't get that. Stutzel couldn't and score. Dubois couldn't score. Actually, he was out, well, I Dubois think. was hurt, yeah. So then I transitioned to, um, to Connor. Kyle Connor, and he had n- And that wasn't nothing. any better. So that game really and, hurt us. Yep. So then we get into the late game, Vancouver-Calgary. We were both taking Vancouver, taking another dog, and did they ever come out that game? They did. Well, we kind of called that on the last, on on the pod, right? We we said they were due, right? They they were in a spot where, right, they kind of like the Habs when they played the Leafs on Saturday night. Like, they absolutely, in a sense, as early as it was, was a must-win game. And we, we yeah. mentioned last week that they were behind the like, – if they keep losing, they'll get behind the eight ball quick, and, and they showed up. Yeah, I mean, if it wasn't for Markstrom, that game could have been really bad. The shots were 20-4 to four in the first, 15-8 to eight in the second, <laughs> ended up being 46-19, to 19, and it was only a 3-1 game with an empty netter. Markstrom stood on his head to even give Calgary a chance. But Vancouver came out desperate, as we kind of thought they would, and uh, it's nice to pick that up again. Our goal props didn't hit there again. So overall, kind of a tough weekend. I mean, when we look back at it all, I'm actually up 1.2 units because I hit both Habs and Canucks money lines, and they were both dogs. You're only down 0.85 units. You hit the Canucks money line as a dog. Maybe should have just stuck money line on Habs, but you were true to your words. So I had, and then if I, told, if I said I did puck line, I I kept my promise. And as I said, I thought the Leafs were going to lose, and they didn't lose the way I thought they did, but. I mean, it happens. And then uh, we get a little listener on when we made our pick Saturday saying, uh, how come nothing with the Red Wings? So I thought I'd throw out a goal prop. Because the Red Wings suck. Thought I'd throw out a goal prop for them just to give them something. I took Robbie Fabry, and he (laughs) scored five minutes into the game. So that looked pretty good. A little plus 410 action. That's always a little nice. That's a nice So that felt pretty good. Yeah, baby. So apparently I need to go more Red Wings goal props and stay away from all these Canadians because we can't guess who's going to score in those. Oh, I know. It's horrible. I mean, even even just like the for fun the for fun ones, like last night, for example, like we don't talk about sometimes some of the stuff we do during the week just because there's way too many games to, 
to kind of go over and and way too many goal props. You know, I doubled down on Goudreau, doubled down on Nylander, and I took um, and I took Matthews and I took McDavid at plus odds last night. And the and the Oilers, <laughs> the Oilers scored four goals, and McDavid had none of them. Drysaddle had no points. Goudreau scored in the Calgary game, but it was in overtime, so it doesn't count as an anytime goal, which is horseshit. And Nylander was a no-show. The only goal prop I hit last night was Matthews, and it was like minus 160 odds. It was just so bad. So overall, it was an interesting week. Uh, I'm, I'm pretty happy to be 2-3 and three and uh, plus, so that's nice to see. But we got uh, six games we're going to touch on this weekend. And uh, let's start it with round four of Habs versus Leafs. So here's the here's the thing with this game is is that I it, it's so tough because the Leafs have two games against Ottawa. Um, you know they got one tomorrow and they got one Thursday. So depending what happens with those, I mean my thoughts could be a little bit different, right? Because if they if they lose both to Ottawa, which I think is next to no percent chance happening, but if let's just say they did, they laid a complete egg, they had a meltdown. I would bet the house the Leafs would win Saturday. Um, I still think the Leafs are going to win Saturday. I think I think they're probably going to win tomorrow and Thursday against Ottawa, and really start to sh- turn the turn the ship back around. I mean, not that it's sinking or anything, as I said earlier, but I think that they'll probably they're going to have a better showing. I don't think they'll have that same third period kind of lull that they did. Um, I think the Leafs coaches should, you know, if they're if they want to keep credibility and keep. Uh, you know, keep their jobs and not that they're going to get fired, but if they want to keep credibility in the room, you know, they're going to fire the Leafs up and be like, Hey, these guys took it to us last game. You know, we, we were playing for an overtime point. Let's not get it to that point. Let's go out and just bury these guys. Um, and I'm assuming it's probably Carey price. That's going to be playing. So, I mean, he's always a wild card, right? If he doesn't show up and lets in three easy ones that have to get behind the eight ball early. So I'm going to take uh, Maple Leafs money line. Yeah, I'm feeling pretty good about going Habs money line on this. They haven't played in a week. Price rested is so much better. He's big time Saturday night. He struggled a lot other times. All those add up. Leafs had three games. I don't know what they're doing with their goalie situation this week either. Is Anderson going to try and play all four this week? You can't play no Campbell. You can't play with no Campbell. So Anderson's proven that playing back-to-backs and playing a lot, he can sometimes go down a bit. So I'm feeling pretty good about Habs money line, and that's where I'm going to put my money on Saturday and that, and uh, tie up so the going series back to that, two too. Going back to that one then, Cam. So let's just talk about this real quick. So would you, you know, if you were the Leafs, would you play Hutchinson in the set in the in the Thursday game in Ottawa just to give to give Anderson that three days off? Yeah, I think so. I think you have to. You look at the stats on goalies going back to back, and especially four times in a week. I know it's Hutchison and you don't feel confident, but you should be a good enough team to beat Ottawa, even with Hutchison in. Well, yeah, I think that um, I, I think that you have <laughs> if you win the first one, I think you play. I think you play Hutch in the second one. Um, I kind of agree with you. The only thing is though is that you you're gonna have games in hand over the Habs. And the Habs have two good goaltenders right now, so you don't just want to give up points. I mean, you ask Fred and say, "Hey, how you doing? Where where your where's your head at?" But at the end of the day, I mean, you can you can argue both sides, but I think that probably the best situation would be to 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 if you take the L, like if Hutchinson just gets 17 goals scored on him Thursday night, you lose. Oh well, 
right? You got to win the game against the Habs. That's where the points matter because if the Habs beat you on that one, they have a couple games in hand and all of a sudden, you know, you're a couple points down in the down in the division and that's not where somewhere where you want to be with a team like the Habs and get hot. So the other North Division game we're going to touch on Saturday is Oilers versus Canucks. Yeah, so Oilers Oilers have been interesting lately. I mean, McDavid and Dreis, I mean, McDavid had an assist last night, I believe, but um dry saddle was kept off the board i was shocked that mcdavid was plus plus odds to get a goal they're just they just cannot seem to get it going unless it's you know versus leafs for whatever reason but they just can't seem they can't seem to string it and get a run going they, they're just really really struggling um so i i think that they're gonna i think that they're gonna pick it up here because i think if they keep you know, if they win a couple of games, I think it's going to go one of the one of the two ways here, and this is going to culminate Saturday. I think either they're going to lose a game this week, and then they're going to lose back to back, and they're going to be like, "Hey, we really got to get this going," or they're going to win. And I think they start to string some wins along here because, as I said, even with Vancouver, you know, you don't want to get in a spot where you're fighting for a division or you know a playoff spot right at the end because they're all division games. So if you get even close with another team, it's going to come down to one series at the end. I don't think you want to be there, especially with where their goaltending's at. So I think they're going to take the W on uh, Saturday. Yeah, that's what I was looking at. The Canucks are playing super desperate and really getting some better progress from Pedersen and Hughes. But I think the Oilers, especially after last night, Smith giving up a bunch and getting pulled, I think against a team like Vancouver, they're almost just going to play full on, like let's just run it up and let's play goal for goal. And Maybe Toronto's the only team who could do that with Edmonton, but Vancouver can't. They can't match McDavid and Dryside if you try and get in a running gun. So I think Oilers' money line's the way to go on Saturday. Yeah, I agree. And the other thing too is, is I mean, we've seen this plenty of times with the with the Canucks, and they did okay versus Calgary, but their defense is horrific, and their goaltending is is questionable at best. So. I mean, who was was it? It was Spezza went around Edler. Was that was that the goal that Spezza scored? Yeah, he made Edler look like a pylon. Spezza's like the slowest skater in the NHL, almost. He's got to be down there. So McDavid's gonna like like Edler's gonna gonna be on the blue line. McDavid's on the red line. By the time Edler turns around, McDavid's already at the net, or Drysaddle's at the net. I, I I'd even be tempted now that I'm I'm kind of talking myself into going to going Oilers puck line, but. I'm still going to stick with the money line because I don't have faith in the Edmonton goaltending, but I, I just, I think this could spell a lot of trouble for, uh, for Vancouver. If, if Edmonton gets, uh, gets heated up here. Yeah. I don't think it'd be a bad play to go the over on that too. Cause Vancouver's starting to put some goals together and especially chances. I mean, if Markstrom didn't play out of his mind, they would probably scored five or six on most teams. So I don't Do think, think an over Mike would Smith, be... like, do you think that it matters if Koskinen or, or Mike Smith is playing? Because I mean, Mike Smith's been, okay it's not like markstrom going from vancouver to calgary where he's a, a stud right yeah i mean he got pulled yesterday so it's hard to say if he's but they did look more confident in him the first couple games with him but i don't think either's really they're both good backups in my mind and neither's a real starter and so it's tough with that team so you, yeah so you got two backups and and i mean the vancouver team should be able to put goals away so it's really just gonna matter okay how much could Edmonton put up? And as you kind of mentioned a little earlier, just that run and gun kind of style. Um, and I just don't think that it can happen. So I, I think the over the over could be a play. Although last night we saw um, a crap ton of games go over. So I feel like I feel like we're due for an under game coming up somewhere. Oh, I guess the Avalanche in Vegas was under. There's only one goal in that game, right? So 
Um, but I think we're due well, for we're, we're due for an under at some point. Well, you touched on our next game. We got to get some U.S. content in here, so we got a big one on Saturday. Vegas Avs again. Rematch. Uh, both both teams were really projected to be two of the better teams in the NHL this year, and Vegas is. I mean, we watch a lot of the North, but Vegas might be the team to beat right now in the NHL. They've been really good. I mean, but they, they this is not surprising, really, at least not to me. I mean, they've been good since they've come into the league. So, I you know, I, I think the big the bigger surprise to me, and, and to me really is, is that I don't think the Avalanche have really played up to the their potential and how they can play. Um, you're not seeing, I mean, last season, correct me if I'm wrong, but it was like every other night you'd see this McKinnon highlight and there was chatter about, you know, is McKinnon better than McDavid right now? That has really gone quiet. I have not seen it so much this year. And that McCarr injury, you know, he, he's such a general on the point. He's so good on the point. He's a great defensive and offensive defenseman. So I feel as if the avalanche can just get a little lost without him and, and Vegas has got enough weapons to to take it to the Avs, and I think that's what you're going to see um, on the weekend. And so I'm I'm going to take Vegas. Yeah, you definitely touched touched on a couple of my points there. Uh, Devontae's defenseman they brought in this year to kind of help their back end. McCarr and McKinnon have all missed quite a bit of time with injuries this year. Missed a game here, game there. They've had some COVID issues, postponements and stuff. Looks like they're getting healthy. McCarr's day-to-day, he's questionable in a game-time decision tonight. So my guess is Saturday he'll be back. McKinnon looks back. Devontae's is back. And Avs got to start stringing some wins together. So I'm going to go the opposite way and go Avs' money line on Saturday. I mean, I think they would have picked up the game the other day if Flurry hadn't played out of his mind. But Vegas has that with either goalie this year. Leonard and Flurry are, I think, by far the number one goalie duo in the league. And they're showing it again this year that doesn't matter who they throw in net, they're going to get good goaltending. And we're on the opposite sides of some of these picks here. Last week we were chalk all the whole way. We were we were basically the same. The only difference was I had the the puck line. And uh this week we're all we're all opposite sides the whole time here. Yeah, should make it a little more interesting. One of us could go way up and way way down or, you know, by the end of it it'll probably end up we'll, we'll win you'll win one, I'll win one. That seems to be the way it goes. Well, I mean, NHL gambling is very much so um it goes in streaks you, you know you get good and then all of a sudden you know your team goes on a losing streak and it's so much more different than nfl where there's so few games in the nfl every single one matters if you lose one it could be the end of your season in like week seven week eight nhl sometimes team just mail it in for a couple weeks so you can go on a cooler real quick uh, when you're doing nhl gambling well that's the thing too is even the sends are bad but they're no uh, new york jets no no, I did see this. Uh, I did see this one thing before we go to the next game, but um, it was you know Valentine's Day on Sunday, and I saw this Valentine online, and it was the uh, it was basically just this Valentine with the New York Jet symbol, and it was like, "Don't worry, baby, we won't try to score on you." <laughs> so good. I did not give that to, to my wife though, because that's that's super inappropriate, but whatever. <laughs> and just not true. And just frankly, not true. <laughs> anyway, all right, next game. Uh, stick in the U.S. then and go to the Central Division. We got uh, Chicago versus Carolina. They're both battling kind of for those third, fourth spots, kind of in the mix. Any thoughts on either team? Well, I don't watch. I mean, frankly, I don't watch a ton of Chicago. I watch a little bit of Carolina only because, 
you know, I, I, I kind of hate watch with the whole David Ayers thing. I'm like, yeah, Carolina suck it. I hope you lose every game. Uh, but they don't, they, you know, they're, they're a good team. Um, I don't, I mean, I, is it, I just feel like Chicago is kind of, I just don't feel like they're, they're good. I mean, they don't have Jonathan Taze right now, which they haven't had him all season. Kane's been good as he usually is. I just don't, I just don't think that, I mean, what's Chicago's fourth. Yeah. As of the moment, uh, Carolina's third, Chicago's fourth. They're both tied at 20 points. Okay, I don't know how Chicago has 20 points because last year they were complete dog shit. And, like, what moves did they make? I don't know if you know. Like, this is not a rhetorical question, but what moves did they make to all of a sudden be good? No, the two big things they're getting, they're getting some really good impact from rookies. Puis Suter looks like he can be a top six forward. He came out of nowhere. I remember him back in his Guelph Storm days, and he really stood out. But he's been – I think he went to Switzerland after the OHL, and now he's looking like a really good player. And then this Kevin Lankin in a net, nobody's ever heard of him. And he's looking like a true stud really helping me in fantasy this year. So yeah, I like notice you picked him up on the, on fantasy there. So, and then the third big thing is Kane looks like an MVP candidate right now. He's at 22 points in fourth place and he's just carrying that team the best he can right now. And he looks really good. So I mean, he's really making guy, them. I mean, yeah, sorry. No, he's the only guy that they can, that, that, that they have. That's that veteran presence really. That still can put up points. Um, so to answer your question, who I'm going to go with, I'm still going to go. I, I don't buy the whole Chicago thing. I really don't. I'm going to go Carolina money line. I just don't think that. I think that Carolina's just got a little bit more experience. You know, they went on a couple. They went. I know that obviously Chicago's won cups and all that, but Chicago was awful last year. Carolina was good. I think Carolina's got the same, very very similar team. I think they're a fun. Obviously, they're a fun group. Don Cherry hates them. Whatever. Give me Carolina money line. Yeah, Carolina's an interesting team. They've really relied on goaltending this year, and it's come from three goalies now. They've had Mrazek, who's injured, James Reimer's playing really well, and then Alex Nedeljkovic has really stepped in as a third goalie. So, But I still think i got to go with them. They've, they're have they deep. They look good. Uh, hometown guy Brock McGinn stepped up now. He's got seven goals to assist. they got five five players now who have six goals, so they're just deep. They come after you line after line, and Jordan Stahl's really having a comeback here. When he was with Pittsburgh, everyone kind of thought, oh, he doesn't fit in there because he's a top six, top two center. And he really hasn't been. But now he's starting to look like a first-line center. He's playing really good minutes, and he looks really good pulling that team in. So I got to go with you on that one, though. And I think Kane's money line's the way to go. Well, the only thing that I – that now that you kind of mentioned goalies, and I already knew this, but I have a real I, – I'm as a Leafs fan, I'm jaded anytime Reimer's in net. I just I you say James Reimer in net in the game and I have to bet on it. I just have a heart attack because like I I just the the Boston four one lead just play replays in my mind the whole time. But um, I'll stick by it. I'll stick by it. It's it's time for some redemption, James. You owe me this. You owe me this from twenty thirteen. Don't let me down. So the last two games we're going to touch on is there's two Sunday games now uh, in the North Division. So the Canucks after playing Saturday got to play the Jets on Sunday. Where do you see that game going? Um, okay, so Canucks play Saturday versus the Oilers, and then they got to turn it around and play the Jets. Uh, who's at home? I would imagine that the Canucks would be just playing back-to-back. I don't think they're going to go Edmonton to Winnipeg. Yeah, probably not. Um, I don't think it really matters. I mean, I'm going to – and again, this is one of those games that I think really depends on 
the result, which is, again, I think hockey's a little bit tough with that because, you know, momentum on a team can swing one way or the other really, really quickly, right? Like, I think that if you have a bad game the night before that sometimes, and a lot of the time you're going to be jumping the next game trying to, to prove that it, you know, that you're not as bad as, as you played last night. Um, but I, you know, I, I have to go with goaltending. I have to go with goaltending in depth. I'm going to take Winnipeg, uh, money line over Vancouver. Um, again, Vancouver's second night of a back to back. Um, I think Hellbuck's going to show up. And as we touched on kind of last week, there's just so many weapons on, on Winnipeg. And I think their defense is deep. It, when you got tired legs, the second day of a back to back or, you know, the second game of a back to back, the last thing you want to de- deal with is a tough defense and a good goaltender. He like Hellbuck makes you know the first ten saves and you're just like we're never gonna score on this guy. I'm tired. I want to go home and eat a steak and drink wine. Like just get me out of here. Winnipeg money line. Yeah, I gotta agree with you on that one too. If they were playing the same team back to back, I might I'd probably take the Canucks in one of them. But with the Jets coming in a little rested, uh, they're three three centers now deep. They're just gonna be a tough one to play on back to back nights. And the Canucks aren't that deep. They're not that good. And Hellebuck's looking arguably like the best goalie in the division. So I think Jets' money line is pretty easy for that game. Although it would be nice to see the Canucks try and pull some wins together and make it a little more interesting on that uh, lower side of the division. But the Jets, I think, are the number three team in the division, and they're really starting to pull away and be that number three team. And I and, and as, as we kind of mentioned earlier, like I don't – and just another podcast, we – Habs and Leafs are still an, in, a, in a division of their own, in, our, in my opinion. Um, but if Jets can lock up that number three spot – and not be, you know, one point ahead of uh, Edmonton or Calgary or whoever it is, lock up that number three spot, do the best you can to get yourself in the best position for the playoffs. Well, and I'm looking at it from afar here, and I'm like, other than, of course, Montreal and Toronto, I don't want to play the Jets in the first round. If Hellebuck gets hot, they got three deep down the middle. That's, I think, the scariest team out of the rest of the teams in the division to play. So I think they're going to be... Two years ago, like they what did they get to the was it the conference not the conference finals but they got to the they went on a run a couple of years ago. Yeah, they did. I was I I feel like it was the was no, it, it was, was the Vegas year, wasn't it? The first year with Vegas was it the conference finals they made? Yeah, I think it was the first year with Vegas that they went to the conference finals. And they were unreal, and that wasn't that long ago. And the team hasn't changed that much. So I mean, obviously they've lost they've lost some veteran players. I mean, cap restrictions, all that kind of stuff. Like in free agency, it all it, it happens. But they're still a good team. And you're right. Yeah, if Hellebuck gets hot, then look out. Yeah, their back end's definitely a little thinner than it was, but yep. their goaltender's now looking like it's elite. So that changes things. Yep, for sure. Uh, so we'll touch on the last game of the weekend. The Habs, after playing the Leafs Saturday, go play the Sens. Um, okay, so that means the Habs are going to be playing a back-to-back. So they're playing the Leafs the night before. And again, another one of these games where, you know, it could really depend on what's going to happen the night before. Uh, I'm going to keep this really simple. I'm not going to overthink this. I'm not going to put in, you know, a lot of analysis into this. I'm taking Habs money line. Um, wait, do I want to take Habs money line, though? Because, I mean, Ottawa just showed up the Leafs last night and showed they could do it. Uh, you know, I'll be different. I, I'm going to change my mind. I'm going to go Ottawa, Ottawa money line. And I think they upset the halves. And the only reason that I'm saying this, I'm going to will it into existence that the Habs fans can lose their minds because they lost to the, to the shitty senators. And that's where we're going to go. Um, so I'm going Ottawa money line and the Habs suck. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to go Habs <laughs> money line here. There's a couple reasons. They definitely, 
didn't show up against Ottawa the first two games they played them. Definitely underestimated them. They're not going to do it this time. A back-to-back doesn't scare me now that we have a real backup in Jake Allen who looks really good this year. So Habs money line and there's just Ottawa's not that good and I think the Habs are going to take it to them and not underestimate them this time. Are they one and one against the Habs? Yeah, the, they the are. Sense? They won the yeah they won the first one, lost the second, but they were really made it tough on them both games. Okay, I mean as I said, like I think that you still, you know, I know that I, I you know I don't know maybe they'll maybe they'll stick it to them and and be like yeah we we came back from five one against the Leafs we can take these losers. So we got uh, seven picks this week. So I'll just reiterate what we were talking about here. The first game, Habs-Leafs. Your Leafs money line. I'm Habs money line. Oilers-Canucks. We both took Oilers money line. Vegas-Avalanche. You took Vegas. I took the Avalanche. Blackhawk-Canes. We were both Canes. Jets-Canucks. We both took the Jets. And then Habs-Sens. You're going to go with the Sens, and I'm going to take the Habs. So we got six games this weekend that we're going to put some uh, money on and try and improve our records and how many of those are we opposite on i think three one three? two three of them yep okay all right so there's some there's a chance for some separation there that's yep. better than last week where we only did three games and we bet every single one the same so that made it not interesting at at all <laughs> no not at all so we did get some uh, listener feedback and some listener questions this week uh, first one I want to touch on is what do you think of the Leafs trading for Alex Galchenyuk? And this is from our listener, Brad. Um, so Alex Galchenyuk, yeah. So he started off his career great and started off with the Habs. Um, what number of pick was he? He was early, right? In 2012? Yeah, he was third overall pick. In third overall week, pick. Weak draft. He's still, if you look back at that draft, he's still second in goals and second in points to Forsberg, just to show you how weak that yeah. draft was. Yeah. Well, it's the same draft as Morgan Riley, I believe. So, yeah, he was. Yeah. So, I mean, I think at the end of the day, they didn't really give up anything, right? I mean, they got rid. The Leafs got rid of two the two roster spots, and that'll free up some flexibility to add guys off taxi squad without putting people on waivers. And there's cap implications for it. As for the player, I mean, I don't. And and, and Cam, you, you've touched on this, right? Like that, you know, Keith is not playing. Sheldon Keith is not playing his his lower six as much especially not his fourth line. He's barely playing his fourth line at all. Um, obviously, Kyle Dubas, uh, you know, general manager Leafs, he's not happy with what he's seen overall and felt it necessary to make a move. And I I think there's massive upside here. I just don't see how this is a bad thing. I mean, you see people saying, well, we had to give up two players. Yeah, but you give up two players who are never going to play for Leafs. For a guy who's had 20-plus goal-scoring seasons, has potential and just, I mean, I know he's playing for a seventh NHL team, but he hasn't found the right fit. And if, you know, on this chance, if it just so happens that the Leafs, um, you know, if this, if, if he's the right fit for the Leafs, it could be a massive difference maker in, in building that depth. So hopefully, you know, if you make the playoffs, you don't have to rely on your top three players and you can, and you can lean on those bottom four guys and give your big guys a rest so that you can go on a deep run. Yeah, and I think that basically touched on it. All three players involved in the trade are free agents at the end of the year. So the chance of the Leafs re-signing either of those other guys, probably not likely. Clearly, they're not happy with their bottom six. I really, I mean, Spets has had a couple games here or there, but he's still only getting like seven to nine minutes a night. Doesn't trust him enough to have him out there. No. So you get a guy who scored 31 goals five years ago, who's only 27 years old. He's got to know that this is probably his last chance in the NHL. He is Russian background, so he probably 
if things don't go well, he's going to go to the KHL. Yep. And, yeah, he has that upside. He scored 31 goals in the NHL as a 22-year-old. He was a top pick. He was probably one of the most exciting junior players I've seen when he played for Sarnia. And, I mean, I have his jersey in my closet from when the Habs drafted him. He's <laughs> a fun player, but he definitely <laughs> thinks he's more of a star than he is, and I think that's yeah. been some of the issues in his career. But, again, well, I, I don't see the, yeah, I don't I mean, see the downside to this. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, and I agree. I, I, I think that is classic, though. I mean, if you look at lots of players that have come out of the KHL where they're studs in the KHL and they sign deals in the NHL expecting to be studs. I know that, obviously, Galchenyuk played here and hasn't played in the KHL, but lots of Russian players, that's what happens. Um, you've seen it a bunch of times where they want to be that star player. They want it, they, they think they're better than they are, and it doesn't, it doesn't happen. And that, that can be any player. It's not just Russian players, but it does happen a lot there. Mostly because you have that fallback. I mean, most Canadian players aren't like if they don't get what they want in the NHL, they're not gonna, you know, bugger off to the KHL. It's just unlikely to happen. But as a Russian player, you know you have that fallback where that league is still I mean, they're gonna pay you a bunch of money. Especially if you get on with some of the the big two teams who have all the money. Um so and I mean the second part of that of the listener question was can he be used on the first line instead of Jumbo Joe, uh Joe Thornton? I don't think you move Joe Thornton, frankly. I mean, the guy doesn't have the foot speed, but there's something to be said for guys like Martyr and Matthews. And this is the same with Patrick Marlowe. These are not the same guys that they were in their prime, right? These guys aren't winning heart trophies. They're not winning scoring titles, but there's excitement in the players when these guys, when they can contribute with these guys. And I mean, look at the, look at what Thornton did with like that Matthews goal last night. It was a perfect pass. Matthews one time that in the net, it's a great play. It's just that he, like I, I, for Martin and Matthews, you got to make sure that you're more responsible defensively because if the puck gets turned over, it goes the other way. So I don't think the Galchenyuk trade really changes anything for Jumbo Joe. I think he just rounds out the bottom four. Um, and you might see a guy like, like, uh, like Travis Boyd, or somebody like that get out of the lineup and and Galchenyuk slots in. Yeah, the biggest thing I could see him more doing is maybe getting a chance with Tavares because Nylander Tavares experiments not working. Maybe you go the route of trying to give Nylander that third line center again because Kerfoot I don't think has really stood out as a third line center and Keefe's clearly said that with the minutes and the draws he gets. So I think that's maybe a way you could go. Give Nylander his own line, move Kerfoot to the wing, and maybe Galchenyuk gets a shot with Tavares. Because, again, he showed he could score 31 goals. So why not try it? And if it doesn't work, I mean, if they're giving Barbanov a shot all over the lineup, Galchenyuk's at least done it in the NHL. So, again, I think upside, but I don't see him playing that first line. I think you more see Hyman splitting some of that time with Thornton and Galchenyuk maybe getting some shifts with Tavares. And that's what they need. They need that. They needed to round out the, the bottom the bottom of the lineup because as we talked about the Leafs are a little bit top heavy right now and the one thing they don't have is depth in the bottom six of the forwards so they got to address that and 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 Keith might not or um uh, Dubas might not be done with that uh, we'll have to see what he does in the future um the second question from one of our listeners Spencer uh what do the Leafs do with goaltending next year Freddie is an unrestricted free agent the free agent market's thin and Freddie is probably the top goalie available um, he's a solid goaltender, but constantly gives up weak goals and can't be counted on when you need him most. Okay. Well, I don't agree with the second part of the question. I mean, I think that, or the, the statement really, and we'll discuss it here. I don't think he constantly gives up weak goals. I think that he gives up some weak goals, like the backhand in the game. The first goal yesterday was garbage. I think he should have had that. Um, and yeah, and I, and again, I ripped on him for not stopping breakaways, but he also makes big saves a lot. 
and it's really easy to pick on him for the, the bad goals, which I will because it's fair, but you also have to acknowledge when he makes big saves. So I think consi- constantly is not a, not a fair assessment. Um, and, and, and he can be counted on when you need him most. He doesn't have playoff success, um, but that's just not on him. I mean, he hasn't, his numbers have not been great in playoffs, um, but he's due to turn it around. And that's all you need sometimes is one goalie to get hot at the end. Um, but Cam, what are we thinking for, for the Leafs and, and what they're going to do with their goals tending situation next year? I mean, it's a tough thing to look at. There's not really many options. I think if he goes to free agency, he's probably first or second best. I'd maybe argue Rask is a better goalie, but he's going to be a short term and he's a little older. Uh, when it comes to Freddie, he does let, seem to let in one week goal a game. But uh, there's another goalie who's won a couple cups who tends to do that, and that's Flurry. He's known for his career for letting in one week goal a game, but he makes four or five stops he shouldn't. I think Freddie's good enough to win them a cup if they play the proper way. The issue now is salary cap. He's at $5 million right now. You start to look around the league at comparables. I mean, if you think he's a top-end goalie, Price, Bobrovsky, they're 10 and a half. I don't think he's quite there. No, he's but not there you start, yet. You start getting into the second tier. Is he Holtby, who just signed two-year $8.6 million last year? The other options that you start looking at are like Markstrom or Murray, but they signed long-term deals. And do you want to sign Anderson to long-term? They both signed five for six and 6.25 and six for six years. So any of those are still an upgrade, but it's, do you want to give them the term or do you want to give them the money? And I don't know where they go with that. Well, my thought on it was, I don't know why they stuck out in my head, but I was thinking like a three or four year deal at 7.25 or seven and a half. And I think that's a team, I think that's a team fair deal. Yeah, that seems somewhere in between the Holtby and the Murray are given a little more term, a little less money. So that seems about right. Because they're not going to pay get into the free... paying price money. Like, it's just not going to happen. They don't have the no. flexibility to do it. Because you can dig up. Like, realistically, can the Leafs dig up, you know, $2.5 million in cap? Probably. Right? I mean, if and, – and this is, again, maybe a little bit of a hot take. This has been talked about for years. If, if Nylander doesn't have a – uh, it doesn't turn it around this year and last year was contract year, whatever you can say he was bad because of that or whatever these year before. Um, but if it continues to be garbage, he'll be, he'll be out and some team will take him because they absolutely need a top six forward. And that's what they have, but it, it just doesn't fit the least play style. So can you come up with two and a half million to, to pay Fred? Yes. I don't think there's anywhere to go. Um, the only option is if you traded for a goalie and why, and why, I just don't see the reason to give up assets when you could just try and trade other assets with higher price tags for draft picks and then just sign Fred to a you know a couple more million dollars and he's not and he's got nine wins right now. He's got the most wins in the NHL, so I don't understand how like I don't know why you would not try to re-sign him. Yeah, I mean that's the thing. And you look at the UFA goalies, so you got Rask. He's probably gonna want one or two years, but a lot of money. And the Leafs can't do that. The Leafs can't take a big cap hit. The next goal you get into, who I think is the most interesting one, is Bennington. But Bennington's going to want seven years at probably $8 million. So, again, well, you can't the, commit to that. No, the Leafs can't commit to that. The other one I thought maybe was interesting, who has had playoff success, but I don't know if you want him to be a full starter, so you'd have to have a little faith in Campbell, is Halak. Because Halak is probably somebody you can get short-term for not a lot of money, but you need to have a goalie who you could split time with him. Yeah, see, I would be more down, like and maybe this sounds ridiculous, but can you get Halak to back up Fred and get like a Jake Allen carry price thing going on? That is more attractive to me. I don't want a Halak Campbell start. 
Like then, then you've no. got what's going on in Edmonton. Then you got a Koskinen and Mike Smith situation. I don't want that. <laughs> yeah, it's just it's trying to figure out how you're going to get Fred's salary cap in, which I think is interesting, and that's kind of puts a little more pressure on this year, in my opinion. Like you don't really know what's going to happen with the goaltending. I think they got a couple other contracts that guys who aren't going to get a ton of money, but Dermot's an RFA. A couple of these other things that. You're going to have to upgrade the contracts a little bit, even if it's half a million here, half a million there. I mean, you guys, you got guys, guys coming off the books, right? I mean, Thornton comes off the books. I know, I know he's making not a lot of money, and Spetses would come off the books. He's on a one-year deal as well, right? So some of these guys come off the books. Um, as I said, I think the most realistic option with this is I think that they trade somebody, and like, I mean, not really, if they really have to, because you can find. I mean, let's be honest here. You, you've got, I mean, Joe and Spezza, if they're one and a half million total, you can dump it. I, like, and I love, I love having Joe third on the team. I thought it was a great signing. And I think that he's been good. I think he's been a great role model. And one of the questions, you know, that was asked, and we're not going to get to it because it's too early, but, you know, Thornton, Marlowe, or Spezza, and this is Spencer, what, what veteran has the biggest impact on and off the ice for Leafs? I, we can't answer that question right now just because, I mean, Thornton hasn't been with, Thornton hasn't been with the Leafs long enough to, to really show anything. Um, but, and I, but you know, it, these are guys that are, you know, they, you can get rid of these guys. Yes, you need that veteran presence, but you can get rid of them at the end of the day because the alternative is if you, if you keep these old veterans on the team who may be in the year for another one year max and what, they're going to put up 20, 25 points for you in the year, on a, like which would be unreal, you're not sacrificing – a you know, a top 10 goalie in the league, arguably for that, you're going to find a way to re-sign Freddie. That's what Leafs are going to do. Yeah. The only thing with those contracts is they still have to put someone in the lineup and you can't pay them less than those guys are making really. So I hear Martin Renchen's on an AHL deal. So sign him for 700 grand, throw him in there and bench him. So, I mean, you do have to get some upside from your rookies. And I mean, looking even at the moment, I think they're almost a little too high or really hoping that Robertson's going to be the difference for this team when depth. And I think he's a good player and a good prospect, but I don't think he's going to save your entire depth and be that much of an improvement over anything right now. Like it is always though. I mean, the biggest thing is you make, you gotta, you gotta draft and you gotta, you gotta recognize the window where you're in and the Leafs are in the window right now. Um, as are the, as are the Habs, in my opinion, I think they're both in the window and by the end, by season's end, I mean, it's coming up quick. It's, you know, their, their Leafs are 16 games played. It's a 50, what is a 56 game season? Yeah. We're a little more than a quarter of the way through now for a lot You've, of teams. You're almost a third of the way there. That end is going to creep up real quick. So, and I know the trade deadline's coming up sooner than later. So you got to figure out what you have. You don't have two, three months like you do in an 82 game season. You got, you know, five, six weeks, figure out what you got and and try to try to get your team to the promised land uh you know the best way that you can yeah so i think we're looking forward to another good weekend of hockey got a couple key matchups round four out of what 10 for the habs and leafs so yep i don't even know if you can read too much into whatever happened saturday but i mean the leafs, will definitely matters, wanna, man. the leafs will definitely want to bounce back after that third period and uh, the habs want to keep rolling after a week off with everyone playing a bunch of games in front of them so Looking forward to another four-point Saturday night game and uh, another good weekend of hockey. Yeah, I mean, we obviously hope that the three that we picked uh, are going to win for us, but I hope I go 3-0. I need a bit of a comeback here. So 
Anything else you got, Cam, before we uh, we send it off till next week? No, I think this seems like a pretty good way to end it. Uh, sticking pretty much hockey talk this week. I know uh, free agency for football is starting to creep up on us. No but, Carson uh, Wentz this... trade this week? No, the biggest news was J.J. Watt. Uh, but I think we can wait on that one probably next week. He might have more of an idea where he's going. and Yeah, we'll start and just to get for anybody a little more who didn't know, that. I mean, J.J. Watt got released uh, at his request by the Houston Texans. Um multiple rumors out where he's going to go but again hopefully we can we can touch more on that next week it could be a bit of a longer process but jj watt no longer a member of the houston texans the team that he has been on for ever it seems like um so if there's nothing else cam then uh as you said it's a good place to sign it off we'll see how the games go this weekend you can follow us on twitter at over six sports And for the Over 6 Sports Podcast, I am Zach, the Bandit Burke. And with me, as always, Cameron Charlton and Go Habs Go. Mr. Cameron Charlton and Go Loose Go. We will chat next week.